0: Good morning. Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 28. Listen to God's word. Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River's shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to him, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself. And a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, Let me go because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and won. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks Thanks be to God. Thanks to God. Thanks a lot. Between the years 1854 and 1929, between 1854 and 1929, for 75 years, over the course of those 75 years, people placed children on trains along the east uh, east coast of the United States and sent them westward to try and find new homes. 200,000 children were put onto these trains. Um, Some were placed on the trains because they had lost parents to epidemics, others to war. Some were put on the train because their families had fallen on hard times and so they needed to find a way uh, to... they, They wanted to send their children out west in the hopes that the children would find find some some hope uh, and as as the trains that were heading from the east coast to the west as as the train stopped at each station these children would come out of the trains onto a wooden platform and potential parents most of whom owned farms and needed extra help potential parents would come by and they would inspect and interview these children i mean even look at their teeth and and if they if they liked them if there was a connection there the parents would invite the kids home if not the children got back on the train and they continued on to the next stop history has come to know these 200,000 children and the trains they rode on as the orphan train uh, in fact I, I told that story at 8:15 service i had a woman come up to me after the 8:15 service said my great great grandmother was on an orphan train she got adopted in iowa um yeah it's crazy right so there's this one little boy, his name was Lee Nailing, he was placed on the orphan orphan train uh, in the summer of 1860 and he actually kept a journal of what happened to him along the orphan train. Um, He was placed on the orphan train with his two younger brothers. Uh, Lee was eight at the time. He was placed on the train by his father. And his father gave him a pink envelope. And on the pink envelope was written his father's full name and his address. So Lee took charge of his two younger brothers. One was six, one was four. He got them onto the train. They sat down. They fell asleep. When Lee woke up, the envelope was gone. He never saw it again. Now, we're going to come back to Lee's story at the end of our time, but I want to give you fair warning. Lee Nailing's story does not contain the reunion we would like for it to have. I want Lee's dad to come across the Great Plains of the United States and find his little boy. I want him to walk in the room and say, Son, Daddy has come home. But I just want you to be prepared. Lee Nailing's story does not have... That kind of reunion. Your story, on the other hand, absolutely does. Look at what Ephesians chapter 1 says about us. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. My friends, there is something inside of you God adores. I don't mean that there's a little characteristic that God thinks, oh, that's nice. No, I mean God loves you. You cause the holy heart to quicken. When God looks at you and me, the divine eyes are filled with tears of joy. That's how God loves us. But it's easy for us to forget that. It's easy for us to forget all these things that we've heard throughout the course of our lives about how much God loves us. It's easy for us to allow other voices to try and tell us who we are and what we are. Jacob wrestled with this. Jacob's story is an interesting story. Jacob was kind of a shifty character. In fact, the name Jacob in Hebrew... The name Jacob means he who grasps the heel. And you're thinking, that's weird. <laughs> it is weird. Why? Well, Jacob was a twin. His twin brother was Esau. And Esau and Jacob fought each other inside of their mother's womb. That's what the Bible says. And when Esau came out of the mother's womb first, Jacob grabbed his heel, tried to pull him back in. So they named him Jacob. His, his name... He who grasps at the heel indicates the kind of life he lived. He was the kind of guy who engaged in a lot of strife with his family. He caused quite a few problems. He tricked his dad into offering him a blessing. He tricked his brother into part of his birthright. Jacob was not a great son. He was not a great brother. In fact, he was so duplicitous that in time he had to flee for his life from his very own family. He went away for years and years. And eventually discovered that no matter how much money he made, no no matter how many wives he had or children he had or how many cattle he had, he was never going to feel secure the way that he felt when he was at home. So the Bible says he gathered his big caravan of stuff and people and they head back towards his father's country and they get to this this, uh, river called the River Jabbok. Jacob helps everybody get across the river, but Jacob stays on the opposite side of the river. We don't know why. Maybe he's stealing himself for a difficult reunion. Maybe he's trying to come up with the words for the appropriate apology. Maybe he's just tired of all the kids and the camels. I don't know but he stays on that side of the Jabbok River. What we do know is that while he's standing on the edge of the river, he gets attacked by a man with a capital M. They fall into the river. They start wrestling all night long. In time, Jacob gets the upper hand on this man. And so the man reaches down, touches Jacob's hip. It pops out of socket. Jacob realizes he's not wrestling with any normal dude. This is God. He falls down on his knees. He grabs God's legs. He says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And my whole life I've been told this story. When I was a little kid, they used to put this story up on the felt board in kindergarten, in, in school. Do you remember that felt board with the little cutouts? They told me this story. You know what I thought when I was four? That's a weird story. I'm 39. You know what I think about it? It's a weird story, church. Jacob wrestles with God? Like, I feel like God should have just been able to take him, right? I grew up watching wrestling, WWF on Saturday mornings. Check this out. This is... Uh, this is Andre the Giant looking down on Hulk Hogan. The dude's name is Hulk. Andre's looking down on him, right? Andre the Giant was when I was a little kid. On Saturday mornings, WWF would come on. On Saturday mornings, I would watch. Andre the Giant was the champion in my day. He uh, he suffered from a condition called acromegaly. By the way, uh, if you are not familiar with WWF, if you've seen The Princess Bride, same giant, okay? Okay. Uh, so he suffered from a condition called acromegaly, some people call it giantism, and he got, his health got so bad that he, he needed to relinquish the title. So WWF came together and they said, we think Hulk Hogan should be our next champion. And, uh, so, so they made this accord that, that, uh, Andre the Giant was gonna th- throw the fight and Hulk was gonna win. And reportedly, the night before the championship fight, Hulk called the president of the WWF and said, are you sure he's gonna throw the fight? Because he's a giant <laughs> Jacob and Jehovah wrestled and Jacob was not wrestling with a giant he was wrestling with the one who made giants and it's weird in fact there's only one part of the story I understand the only part of the story I understand is when Jacob falls down on his knees and says would you bless me that I understand I understand where Jacob was coming from. Jacob who spent a lot of his life causing strife instead of living into his God-given potential. Jacob who fought with everybody around him. Jacob wanted to know from God, God, can I still matter? Can I still make a difference in this world? And God blesses him. And my friends, you cannot, you cannot overstate the importance of the blessing in Jacob's life. Jacob falls into the river Jabbok, a punk. He comes out a Patriarch. Jacob falls into those rivers, that river with the name Jacob, which means to wrestle, to grasp at the heel of a man. He emerges from the river J- Jabbok with a new name, Israel. Which isn't he who wrestles with his brother or he who grasps at the heel. It means he who has wrestled with God. And from This transformation of Jacob onward, the people of God, the people of promise, wouldn't call themselves the people of Abraham or Isaac. They would call themselves the people of Israel. How does that happen? How does somebody go from from being a petulant child to being the leader of a revolution of love? How does it happen? It happens, my friends, because of the blessing. It happens because in the waters of the Jabbok River that night, God claimed Jacob. God named him. You could say that in the waters of the Jabbok River that night, God adopted Jacob as his own. Now, here's the thing you got to know about adopted children. Adopted children are chosen children. Adopted children are chosen children. That's not the case with biological kids. I am one. I know My father, I'm the, I'm the baby of four. My dad was present for only, only one of our births. It was, it was, it was mine. And reportedly, when the doctor gave me to my father, he said, this one's got kind of a big head. Can you see what else is in there? (laughs) The state of Ohio made them take me home. They didn't have a choice. It's part of the law. A week later, they brought me back. Why? auspicious because I had pneumonia. I think they just were exploring the return policy. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a child of of parent, you, you get what you get. Right? Your biological child is your biological child. Your biological parents are your biological parents. But if you're adopted, they could have had any eye color, any hair color, any nationality. And they picked you. Adopted children are chosen children. Check out this video.
2: My favorite quote of all time was our furnace repair man comes into the house, stops dead in his tracks, and says, This looks like some kind of United Nations meeting. I was born in Bangkok, Bangalore, India, Connecticut.
3: And I was born in Romania. Ethiopia.
2: Which is in Africa. In China, <laughs> Sharon is the gas pedal, and I am the brakes. Over and over, she'll say, "I found this child who needs X and Y and Z, and all we'd have to do is fly over the ocean, get funding, connect the dot to here, and it'd be done." We're such victims of our culture because our culture tells us your kids have to look perfect and be in all the perfect schools and you can't do that with a big family, but if you just concentrate on what's important, the rest will follow. People discouraged us, they thought we were going to ruin our lives by taking all these special kids and they said, you don't know what to do. And it's true that we had no experience, and we didn't really know how to raise them, but you see what happens with unconditional love. You give a person unconditional love, and they they blossom. I feel like having these kids has really helped us find our life, find our meaning, find our purpose. It took me decades to figure this out, but there's no physical thing that you can buy that's actually going to give you true peace and happiness. And the pure joy that will come from a a rescue and a ransom of a child's life is probably the most satisfying thing you can imagine. We talk about adoption. We tell them they're adopted and we kind of tell them, you know, being born into a family, you don't even decide that it kind of happens biologically, but when you're adopted, your parents Looked out at the whole world and picked you. You think that they don't really know the gravity of them being rescued or saved. Then you'll see them in an external setting, like one of them is in front of 300 people last Friday night, and he tells people that he probably wouldn't be alive if he hadn't been adopted by his family. Those are like the goosebump moments when you go. He's got it.
3: In Romania, at least at the time when I was born, um, when you were when you were born with a, a deformity, quote quote, it um, it was considered a curse by God. I was um, kind of distanced and not treated right, and kind of not really getting any care that a, a normal baby should, which is why when I was one and a half years old, I weighed nine pounds. It was rough in the the first year of my life, but I lived. But no matter where you were before, it's like where you can be now, your past doesn't define that. This family has proven that. It's just like you have a dying boy from Romania or starving kids from Africa, and you bring them to a place where they can be, I guess, human to the fullest, and that's, that's a generous, Thing. Family is everything.
2: Family's fun.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
2: <laughs> His family is just people you can be a fool around and they'll still love you.
3: Awesome. No, should I do the Denahi face? Family is something that I can count on.
1: (laughs) Uh,
2: Family is adoption.
1: Adopted children are chosen children. Adopted children are chosen children. Now, I could see a child who has been adopted saying, Yes, my parents chose me, but if they had known how much trouble I was going to be later on, they'd have picked somebody else. Don't you see? That is the point. We don't surprise God by our brokenness. God isn't shocked by the fact that we make mistakes, even big ones. God knew. And yet still, as Ephesians 1 said, God chose to adopt us and that gave God great pleasure. Look at what Romans chapter 8 tells us about ourselves. We are God's very own children, adopted into His father family. We call Him Father, Dear Father. And because we are His, we share in His treasures. For all that God has given to His Son, Jesus Christ, it is ours. Could it really be this simple? Shocking, but true. To accept the grace of God is to be adopted into God's own family. To accept the grace of God is to be adopted into God's own family. We are no longer defined by our divorces, our deficiencies, and our dumb mistakes. We are the children of the living God. Friends, if you don't hear anything else that this pastor ever says to you, hear this. If God loves you, it means you are worth loving. If God says, I want you in my family, it means you are worth having. My brothers and sisters, the PhD resistance, I mean the final, the capstone of grace is this. To accept the grace of God requires that we change the way we see ourselves. If God loves us, we are worth loving. If God wants us in the family, we are worth having. We are adopted and adopted children, our chosen children. Ten days before my little girl Parker was born, my wife's dad suffered a massive stroke. We gathered Brock, who was just itty-bitty at the time, and Andy, who was really pregnant at the time. And we hopped in the car and we drove up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where her dad was, uh, dying. She spent the final hours with him and then the funeral was a couple of days later. And my wife's, like her mom has like 155 siblings. I mean, it's a huge family. It's huge. It's massive. It's massive. So all these people came to the funeral, and I was standing there beside Andy because she needed somebody to stand beside her. And her brother and her sister were there, and these people, all these people, like couples after couple after couple after couple, they just kept coming through this line. And here's what they said over and over and over again. They said this. They said, do you have any idea how proud your father was of you? He never stopped talking about you. And then they move on down the line. next person would come along and say, Do you have any idea how proud your dad was about you? He never shut up about you. I want to suggest, my friends, that we never, we never, I mean, we never, we never outgrow the need to know that our dad is proud of us. Adopted children are chosen children. I started our time by telling you the story of a kid named Lee Nailing. Eight years old, he was placed on the orphan train in New York City. When he got to Texas, one of his two younger brothers was adopted. Lee and his older Lee, Lee and his little brother were put back on the train. They continued westward. A couple stops down the down the road, they uh, were adopted. The two brothers were adopted. They were taken home by a family. But Lee grew up in the city. He did not know that if you opened the door to the chicken coop, the birds would fly out. So they flew out on Friday night. The family put him back on the orphan train the next morning. Happened a second time where a family took him home. He spent the night. They took him back and put him on the train. Finally, Lee Nailing made his way to West Texas on the orphan train. And that is where, according to his diary, he was taken in by the tall man and the plump woman. That's what his diary says. And he says they, they took him home and he was so nervous because he'd been rejected by three families now. He was so nervous and they, they sat down, they made a meal and Lee reached out to take a biscuit and the, the tall man said, not yet, not until we give thanks. And in his journal, he says, I'll never forget this prayer. They grabbed my hands and bowed their heads and they said, God, we thank you for our new son. The next day they um, got Lee up and they made him get back on uh, uh, their wagon and Lee knew that they were taking him back to the train but that's not what they did. They took him to every neighbor's house. They took him up and down the main street of their little town. Every person that they encountered that day, every single one, they said, we need you to meet our new son. I want to read you how Lee's story He said, I didn't know where Papa was. I had no way to find him or contact him. But ever since their prayer on the first night, I had the strong feeling I had found not one, but two new fathers. (laughs) And that's just the way it turns out. To experience grace is to know at this very moment that the living God has adopted you. And what that means for you is that you are a chosen child of God. If God has loved you, you are worth loving. If God says you belong, then you're worth having. It has to change the way we understand ourselves. My friends, we are not loved by God because we work really hard and succeed or because we fail and choose to apologize. We are loved by God because God has decided to love us. It gives us our identity. It is who we are. Adopted children are chosen children and the adoption is irreversible. I can prove it to you. You remember these things? <sniffs> these? Those things? Thank you. <sniffs> You remember these stones? First week of of this sermon series, Second Chances, uh, as people came in the the gathering room, the space here, we we gave them all stones. And I I walked around up front with a 100-pound pack of stones on my, my chest and talked about how sin weighs us down. And how it makes it so much harder for us to be in relationship with God and with ourselves and with the people around us. And we talked about how, how God wants to take the weight of that sin away and free us to live an abundant life. And so at the end of that service, we invited everybody to come down and, and leave the weight of their stone at the place it belongs. To leave it here at the foot of the cross. And I had people ask me, what are you going to do with all those stones? I want to show you what we did with all of them. That's what we did with all of them. Every stone that was placed on the rail is visible. You can see all of them. Not one of them is covered up. We put the stones exactly where they belong. We put them on the cross. The thing which once separated us from God that caused distance between ourselves and God, that thing is gone. It's on the cross forever and ever. One quick note about this cross in particular. The wooden border on the side of this cross came from the altarpiece of the old Ebenezer Church. Isn't that cool? Adopted children are chosen children. God doesn't love us because we worked really hard and succeeded or because we failed and we apologized. God adopted us because God chose to do so. And the adoption is final. It's complete. It's irrevocable. The reason I know that is because the adoption has been sealed in blood. My brothers and sisters, if God loves you, you are worth loving. And God loves you desperately. If God gives you a place to belong, it means you're worth having and you have a place to belong right here. Adopted children are chosen children. I want to give the final words of this second chances series to the scripture. Here's what first John chapter three verse one says. How great is the father's love for us. He calls us his children. Rejoice my brothers and sisters. We are orphans, no more.